Open your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. While you're turning there, I'll read you a verse from Galatians. This is the text we would have been in had I chosen to continue in Galatians. We'll do this next Sunday. Um, this Galatians 6 verse 14 says, But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. That song would tie right in with that Galatians passage, wouldn't it? Just take us to the cross. Amen. All right, uh, Hebrews chapter 4. Our theme for the year is come boldly. Come boldly. And so this morning I'd like to speak to you on the subject, come boldly with thanksgiving. Come boldly with thanksgiving. Look at uh, Hebrews chapter 4. Let's start reading in verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Dear Heavenly Father, please help us as we study Your Word this morning. And uh, Lord, it is very timely, and uh, I, I believe that we need it. And so please help us. In Jesus' name, Amen. I don't know if there's anything, and you all have heard me say this before, I don't know if there's anything more important in our lives than being thankful. It, it helps us in so many ways. Um, so I, I want us to just think about that and look at that subject, that idea this morning. In thinking of how do we come before the throne of God. And I, I just love this image. That's the way that we come. We're just children. And can't you, I just see, he's just ready to get in there. And that's the access that we have to the throne of God. And thankfulness is such a big part of that. Um, look with me, I'm trying to decide the order I want to do this in. Let me do this first. Go to Colossians chapter 2. And have your Bibles ready because we're going to be all over the Bible again today. Colossians chapter 2. Look at verse 7. Verse 6 is good too for the context. <clears throat> Colossians 2.6 As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. Have you received Christ Jesus the Lord? I'm not asking if you've taken communion. I'm asking, have you received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? Is the Holy Spirit dwelling in you? If He is, then walk the way that Jesus Christ walked. Walk in Him. Then look at what it says. Verse 7. Rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith as you have been taught. Abounding therein. What does it say? With thanksgiving. What is the mark of maturity in the believer? Rooted, established, you know, we've received Him. We're walking in Him. We're living the Christian life. We're rooted and built up, rooted in Him, and then built up, and then established. We're not blown around. Young people, look at me. We're not blown around. We are established and rooted. And so what's the evidence of that? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. 
If you meet a surly person, not somebody that's having a bad day. All of us can have a bad day. Amen? Sometimes, you know, you're treated badly at a McDonald's or something. Well, who knows what that person has been through that day. Amen? So a person can have a bad day. But as a believer, if your demeanor, if your just the, the essence of you is surliness, meanness, anger, that's not maturity. That's not biblical maturity. Biblical maturity is a thankful spirit. It's a thankful heart. Are you thankful this morning? Now, look, I, I know where... Our church is a little different than a lot of churches. If you're a guest here, what I'm about to say is for our folks, um, so you can go to sleep for a minute. Um, many of you are very politically aware. You know what's going on in the world. You know what's going on with the economy. Uh, you know about the fiscal cliff that's coming. There's so many different areas that you're familiar with, our relations with Israel, all that's going on in the world. Is that keeping you from being thankful? You see, you can be informed. You can be informed and still take a biblical view of the world. We shouldn't be surprised that this is happening. The Bible tells us that evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. The, the idea of this whole world getting better and better and then Jesus Christ comes to sit on the throne and He's just welcomed by the whole world, that's found nowhere in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. So when we see this world going farther and farther away from Christ, when we see them rejecting the truth of the Word of God, when we see them rejecting sound economics, what's that for? It's to bring us in a global currency. You've got to have an economic collapse before you can have an economic savior. When we see all of that happening, that shouldn't discourage us. We should say, what a great God. He wrote this stuff down thousands of years ago, and here it is. We're looking at it. We're seeing it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. The, th the people that I feel sorry for are the preppers and, and all of this who aren't saved. They don't have any idea. These are the ones that are going to get walled up in a compound and get their guns and shoot anybody that comes anywhere near them while we're leading people to Christ. Amen? Thankful that God has warned us about what's coming. Amen? Praise the Lord for His Word. So maturity, what I want us this morning to do is take a mature, biblical look at how we come to God. How we come to God. Number one, the, the ability, the ability to enter His throne is humbling. It's humbling. Now, this child right here doesn't have any idea of humility. He's just going to see his father. Is that right? And I just... I just love it that my kids can just come right into my study. Just come see me anytime that you want to. I love that. We homeschool. We homeschool here at the church. And so I just, I'm just i glad I get to see my kids all day long. I bother them more than they bother me. You know, hey, what are you doing? What are you working on? Is it good? Is that interesting? Dad, I'm taking a test. How are you doing? <laughs> it, I love it that we, get to, that we get to have that during the week. Um, but a mature understanding. How many of you are here and you wish now that you could go and talk to your mom or your dad? You see? You see the maturity that's involved there? Um, so how do we come before the throne? How do we enter in? Uh, let me ask you this question. 
Have you ever found yourself making demands of God in prayer? Okay, God, um, here's what I need you to do. Here's my list. I need you to take care of, keep Caleb safe. Keep, here, here's the way that, that this is what goes through mind. Keep Caleb safe. Be with Joby with her back. Um, be with Kathy Nicholson over in Columbus. Be with Bob over in the nursing home. Be with the Hollingers and their situation. And I have this list. What have I just done? What have I just done? I've just commanded God. Okay, God, you listening? Here's what you got to do. Has anybody else here ever caught yourself doing that? So how do we enter into His throne? Well, we need to enter in humbly. Humbly. Now, but, but wait a minute. The passage says, come boldly. Come boldly. How do we have that? Well, it's a recognition. That's where Thanksgiving comes in. When we recognize what He's done for us already and what He's going to do, what He has yet to do according to His Word. Uh, Dalton says this. He says this to me all the time. Hey, Jim, slow your roll. <laughs> I walk too fast for him. We'll be at a mall or something, and he's trying to strut. It's hard to strut fast. <laughs> you know what I mean? What this humility does, what this recognition of what Christ has done for us, it slows us down in our prayer. Let me ask you this. How many of you have ever caught yourself praying too quickly? You've got it done. You've got that checked off your list. Okay, I've got all this other stuff I've got to do today. That's my problem. That's, that's what I do. So the ability to enter His throne is humbling. Then we find ourselves making demands of God, but He's so gracious and long-suffering to us. Even after that, you know what He tells us? Hey, come back. Come, come back. Come see me again. Ready for this for the believer? You know what He says? The door is always open. Come see me. What a blessing. So the ability to enter His throne is humbling, but then how should we come to Him? How should we come to Him? Okay, go to the famous verse. Go to Psalm 100. Come boldly to the throne of grace. And the ability to do that, it's very humbling. That we can even do that is very humbling. Go to Psalm 100. Now, how are we to approach Him? I can never read this passage now without thinking of my dad. There are 15 grandkids. All right? So, there are five kids and their spouses and 15 grandkids, all in my mom's kitchen. And dad's trying to pray for Thanksgiving. And he's tried to get everybody's attention. And finally he says, Everybody, quiet! I'm not kidding. The next thing was, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. <laughs> into his courts of grace. <laughs> Jacob does that at our house all the time, that little routine. It's hilarious. It is so funny. I can't read this verse without thinking of that. But how are we to enter His throne. How are we to do that? Enter into His gates with what? And into His courts with be and... You know, my little list didn't include any of that. Isn't that interesting? This is the way that we are to come in. The way that we are to enter into His throne... When we come boldly to the throne of grace, when we come boldly into His presence, it is to be with a thankful heart. Now, does that mean that it's wrong to enter with a heavy heart? Of course not. 
What better time to go to God than when you have a heavy heart? Amen? But even in that heaviness, we should be thankful. Why? Because according to 1 Thessalonians, we're supposed to, in everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. Let's look again. Look at Philippians chapter 4. Another very familiar passage. We'll get to some less familiar in a minute. Philippians. Brother Ferrier, I heard Roy Thompson one time say, don't be afraid to preach familiar passages. It's good, isn't it? Um, look at uh, Philippians 4, 6. Be careful for nothing. So full of care. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, what does it say? With thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. So how do we come to the Lord? With thanksgiving. When we have a full heart, when we have a lot of care, how do we come? With thanksgiving. Now, one of the things that is difficult for a preacher, for somebody like me, around a holiday season, here we bring out the Thanksgiving verses, and people think, yeah, I know this, I've heard this, it's Thanksgiving, football, turkey, pumpkin pie, candied yams. How many of you like uh, green bean casserole? Oh. Is Joni here this morning? No? She knows how I describe that. I won't describe it in here this way. If you want to know how I describe it, see me after the service. But anyway, I, I love the idea of a holiday where the idea of the holiday is to be thankful to God. Now, of course, to a lot of people, it's called Turkey Day, right? Unless you're from PETA, then it's called Tofu Day. Um, <laughs> I wonder if they form it into a turkey or something. That's <laughs> but I like the idea, and I think it was Abraham Lincoln who made the proclamation. I know that George Washington called for it. It was made official under Abraham Lincoln. I love the idea of our president saying, let's set a day aside to give thanks to God. And so as a pastor, I don't resent the idea of a holiday. I could have just gone through Galatians and continued, and we still would have had Thanksgiving. But I appreciate the idea to bring our minds back around this idea of being thankful. So here's my question to you. I mean, I could just ask this question and we could be done. We're not going to be. Don't get excited. But I could just ask this question and say, are you thankful? Do you have a thankful spirit? Do you have a thankful heart? How many, have ever how many of you ever find yourselves um, just kind of... Maybe angry that you don't have something. I think that all of us get in that situation sometimes. Folks, we just need to be thankful. And I don't know that there is a characteristic of the American society that is more glaring than our lack of thankfulness. And we as a church, we as a people, we are as infected with this disease as the rest of the world is. That's why the Scriptures remind us over and over and over and over again to be thankful. So here's my question to you today. Are you thankful? Are you thankful? We have so much to be thankful for. I'll, I'll say it right now in case I forget to announce it. This evening here at Grace Baptist, we're going to have a Thanksgiving service. We're going to have a testimony time. Just All of us come together to talk about what God has done for us and how thankful we are. And then, in the Great Baptist tradition, we're going to eat. 
So all of you bring food tonight. We're just going to have a Thanksgiving service. I hope that you'll do that, 5.30 tonight. Bring some food, some fellowship, and be thankful. All right? Now, how many of you are a little excited about that already? Sounds good. Oh, yes. The dessert table. Oh, yeah. Hang the food. I can get that any time. Give me the dessert. Now, what's going on over here? You're bringing the green bean casserole? Like I said, I'm going straight to the dessert table. Don't even have to look at that. You know what that looks like? Well, I can't say it. Be thankful. I'm thankful that other people get to eat that. That is, that is good. All right. Now, so why? So the idea is the ability to enter into his gates... We ought to be really thankful for that. It's humbling that we even have access to Him. What is man that thou art mindful of Him, or the son of man that thou visitest Him? What, why in the world would God even take notice of us? And He does more than that. He sent His Son to die on the cross to give us access so that we could come to Him all the time, continually. We can just be in His presence. That's humbling. Then how do we come to Him? We need to come to Him with thanksgiving, with a thankful heart and a thankful spirit. But why should we come to Him with thanksgiving? Why? Should we do that? First of all, because we can. What amazing access. Can you imagine? Imagine this. Imagine if you have access to Fort Knox. Right? And you could just go right in there and you'd find out all the gold's gone. There's none of it there. That's a different sermon. But you have access to Fort Knox. Did I tell you all about the time I went to Fort Knox? I was in Fort Knox selling siding. All right? And so I saw the gold depository. I said, you know what? I needed to look at this. I had my camera with me. And so you can't really get close to it. Right? But I got to this one side. There was this little gravel area. And there was an opening in the bushes. And so I pulled my car there and got up next to the fence with my camera. And I'm leaning through the fence, taking pictures of the gold depository. Next thing you know, it's the black SUVs. <laughs> or as Al Gore would say, SUVs. All right? And so I'm there standing, and these guys say, Sir, you need to leave the area. Sir, you need to leave the area. Okay, I'm taking a picture. Sir, you need to leave the area. You know what I did? I left the area. That's what I did. But imagine if you had access to Fort Knox. Just anytime you want, go in there, get some gold. And you didn't do it. You didn't do it. So here you are, your family's hungry. You know, your mom's losing her house. And things are rough. How many of you think that it would be really silly not to go? Amen? We have access to something a whole lot greater than Fort Knox. So why should we go? Because we can. So let me ask you this. How's your prayer life? How much time do you spend in the throne room of God? How much time do you spend there? Why should we go? Because we can. What a privilege. And then because of what He has done and what He will do. Go with me to Psalm 68. This is an interesting psalm. So Sunday school class, this is what we were speaking of, this text here. So, All right, Psalm 68. Why should we come to Him with thanksgiving? Look at verse 19. What a great verse. Blessed be the Lord who daily 
loadeth us with benefits. Is that a great verse? He daily loadeth us. I love that word. All right, let's see. Anthony, come up here. I need some help. loaded with fake stuff. All right, now. <laughs> this is, I don't know where they go. Um, good job, man. You did great. This is the idea. Go ahead and put them somewhere. Um, that's the idea. We, we are not loaded down with care. We're loaded with blessings. I get frustrated because I've got to take two or three whole days and clean out my garage. Because I've got to make sure my stuff, all my stuff is in the right place. I'm loaded down with blessings. Anybody else here, you're loaded down with blessings? He has loaded. Is that a great verse? He's, why should we praise Him? Because He's loaded us with blessings. We have so much to be thankful for. We have heat. We have food. We have health. We have the ability to run and to think and to bless and to love. He's loaded us with these blessings. How many of you have children? I had a blessing yesterday. I made my children work. And it was so much fun watching them work. Now, I worked with them, and I told Brother Ron Peacock this morning, here's how you know you're a wimp, okay? When you get a blister using a leaf blower. <laughs> when power tools give you blisters, you know that it's time to work with your hands some more. But I was using a leaf blower yesterday and working, and I had so much fun watching my kids work. It was just fun. They were having fun. It was just a fun day of work, and I couldn't help but think yesterday, what a blessing. How blessed are we? Why should we bless Him? Then look at what it says, Psalm 68. Look at what it says, verse 19. Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits. Now, that daily right there, we could spend some time on that. We're not going to. But this isn't something that happened in the past. Then look at what it says. Even the God of our what? Salvation. It's interesting. We have the benefits that we ought to come and thank Him for. Salvation, is that any good? Is that a good thing? Oh, we ought to come and be thankful for that. Are you saved? Do you know for sure that you're born again? Then look at what it says. Selah. We'll get to that in a second. Verse 20. He that is our God is the God of salvation. And unto God the Lord belong the issues from death. 
Uh, can, can I tell you something? When you die, you don't have any say about anything. You know, uh, we have a couple of funeral directors in our church, and usually when they're doing, you know, an embalming, getting that person ready, that person in the casket saying, no, I wanted the red dress. Is that happening? No. You have no say. Who is the one that has a say about life after death? Who is it that has that say? It's God. God. Life and death, whether you live or die, all of that is in the hand of God. It comes from Him. How many of you think we ought to be thankful that He has chosen to offer us life? He's chosen to do that. Praise His name. Are you thankful for that? Are you thankful for the eternal life that He's given you? Now, let me, let me just be real clear. Life is hard. You know, I know that our life is not as hard as somebody in New Guinea trying to scratch out a living. Or, You know, how many of you have seen like on National Geographic, these natives, wherever they are, excited to peel back a piece of bark and find grubs? And they start eating them. How many of you are thankful that that's not your Thanksgiving dinner? Green bean casserole, grubs. Ah. But look, not only do we have that to be thankful for, but we have our eternal life to be thankful for. We just need to try to get our minds around that. Um, now, now, here's something that's very interesting to me. I want to read to you what Charles Spurgeon great preacher from the 1800s. Let me tell you how brilliant Spurgeon was. And I know some of you have heard this, but we have guests who might not have heard this. Charles Spurgeon was a Baptist pastor in the 1800s. He was pastoring a church with about 5,000 people when he was 19 years old. Started pastoring when he was 16. By the time he was 19, they're busting down the doors to hear him preach. He could read three or four entire books in one sitting and then, quote, recite from memory entire chapters from those books. Just a brilliant... He said he identified eight different trains of thought going on at one time. Just brilliant, brilliant, amazingly gifted man. But listen to what he said about Psalm 68. I want to read something to you. He said, We observe that this psalm is a very difficult one. <clears throat> one of the ablest commentators calls it a titanic psalm. It is truly a giant psalm, and to master it means much labor. Yet it is by no means difficult to understand when it comes to practical duties and to those doctrines which are vital. For instance, the two verses before us, that's verses 18 and 19 here that we've just looked at, are very simple and do not need any explanation, but only need to be impressed upon our memory. Now listen to this. So is it always throughout Holy Scripture. Wherever there are difficult places, they do not touch vital truths. The matter of salvation is plain enough. The book of Revelation may be difficult, but not the book, not the gospel according to Matthew. With regard to the future, there may be many clouds. But with regard to that blessed day which is past, which was the crisis of the world's history when our Savior hung upon a tree, the darkness is past and the true light shineth there. Don't therefore busy yourselves most about those things which are most difficult, for they are usually of least importance. Concern your heart most with the simplicities of the gospel, for it is there in the way, the truth, and the life that the essential matter lies. All right, now he said some true things there, didn't he? And yet, 
He saw Matthew as all past, Revelation as all future, when Matthew is all about the kingdom that Jesus Christ is coming back to establish. What was the problem? Let's read Psalm 68. He has identified it as one of the most difficult psalms in the Bible to understand, and all of his fellow commentators struggled with this psalm. Let's see if we can understand it, and then let's see if we have a reason to be thankful. I want you to read this with me. Okay, let's start reading in verse 1. Psalm 68, verse 1. Let God arise, let His enemies be scattered, let them also that hate Him flee before Him. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melteth before the fire, so let the wicked perish at the presence of God. When's that going to happen? Tribulation period. At the end of the tribulation period, Jesus Christ comes and scatters His enemies. He sets up His kingdom. Is that right? Well, understand that. Then look at what it says. But let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Yea, let them exceedingly rejoice. Sing unto God. Sing praises to His name. Extol Him that rideth upon the heavens by His name, Jah, and rejoice before Him. A father of the fatherless and a judge of the widows is God in His holy habitation. God setteth the solitary in families. He bringeth out those which are bound with chains, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. O God, when Thou wentest forth before Thy people, when Thou didst march through the wilderness, when did God do that? Selah. He hasn't. That's millennium. That's Jesus Christ coming, marching through the wilderness. He lands on Mount Zion. He marches across and establishes His kingdom in Jerusalem through the wilderness. Jesus does that. We don't have any problem understanding that because we understand God's plan for the ages. Then look at what it says. Now, whenever you see that word selah, selah, every time, that's found in the book of Psalms. It's found three times in the book of Habakkuk. Every time you find that word selah. In your study Bible, it might say rest, as in a musical rest. And there is that. But it is also, every time you see it, it has to do with the return of Jesus Christ and the rest that He provides His people when He returns. All right? So we understand the context. Look at verse 8. The earth shook. The heavens also dropped at the presence of God. When does that happen? Tribulation period. The Bible says that God cast that the stars fell from heaven as, as a fig tree casts her untimely figs when she's shaken by a mighty wind. The Bible tells us when this is going to happen. Right? The earth shook. The heavens also dropped at the presence of God. Even Sinai itself was moved at the presence of God, at the presence of the God of Israel. Thou, O God, didst send a plentiful rain, whereby thou didst confirm thine inheritance when it was weary. Thy congregation hath dwelt therein, thou, O God, hast prepared of thy goodness for the poor. The Lord gave the word. Great was the company of those that published it, 144,000. Kings of armies did flee apace, and she that tarried at home divided the spoil. That's the Jews, that's Israel, back at home. When did the kings and armies flee? Remember the skies rolled back as a scroll and the kings and the mighty men and the rich men and the poor men and the bondmen and the free men and all men hid themselves in the rocks and the dens of the mountains and said, fall on us and, and cried unto the, the, the rocks and the mountains and said, fall on us and hide us from the, faith, from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb for the great and terrible day of the Lord is upon us. We know when this happens. That's Revelation 6. Then look at what the Bible says. Verse 13, Though ye have lean among the pots, ye shall be as the wings of a dove covered with silver, and her 
feathers with yellow gold when the Almighty scattered kings in it was white as snow in, in salmon. The hill of God is as the hill of Bashan and high hill as the hill of Bashan. Why leap ye high hills? This is the hill which God desireth to dwell in. Yea, the Lord will dwell in it forever. Oh boy, how many of you remember when we studied you know, Bashan and all the influences of that? We understand that. I can't go into it this morning. Then look at what it says. Verse 17, The chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of angels. Remember, one angel killed, what is 180,000 in one day. What could 20,000 do? Think about that. Then it says, verse 19, Blessed... We've got we to finish verse 18. Thou hast ascended on high. Thou hast led captivity captive. When did that happen? When did Jesus Christ ascend? After His resurrection. He ascended. When did He lead captivity captive? In between. The Bible tells us that's what He did. He descended into the lower parts of the earth. He took paradise to heaven. We know exactly what this is talking about. And then what happened? Has received gifts for men. What does he do? He provides all things to us. He's get, according to First Peter, he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. All right. Then look at what it says. Yea, for the rebellious also, that the Lord God might dwell among them. Blessed be the Lord, who daily loadeth us with benefits, and even the God of our salvation, Selah. Remember, the, the earth's been destroyed. A third of the moon, a third of the sun, all the green grass, a third of the trees, a third of the seas, a third of the, the beasts that are in the field, a third of the fish that are in the sea. It's all been destroyed. Now, Jesus Christ loads them with benefits in the kingdom. He loads them. We can understand this. Then look at what it says. Even the God of our salvation. Remember Zechariah chapter 13? Remember we've looked at it. Verse 9, the, the people, the God says, you are my people. And the people say, the Lord is our God. When does that happen? After He's brought two-thirds of them through the fire and cut them off. One-third lives and turns to Jesus Christ after the tribulation period. Zechariah 14.1 says, the day of the Lord is at hand. The kingdom. It's all right here. Then look at what it says. Verse 20. He that is our God is the God of salvation. And unto God the Lord belongeth the issues from death. But God shall wound the head of His enemies, and the hairy scalp of such an one as goeth on still in his trespasses. We understand that from Genesis 3.15, from Romans chapter 16 and verse 20, that He is still going to destroy, He's still going to destroy Satan's head. That didn't happen at the cross. That's still yet. Satan's still the God of this world, isn't he? That's coming. He's going to do this. Then look at what it says. Verse 22, The Lord said, I will bring again from Bashan. I will bring my people again from the depths of the sea, that thy foot may be dipped in the blood of thine enemies and the tongue of thy dogs in the same. That's not quite the, that's not quite the Jesus of modern Christianity, is it? I don't think Joel Osteen knows that Jesus. Then look at what it says. They have seen, verse 24, They have seen thy goings, O God, even the goings of my God, my King, in the sanctuary. When have we seen God? No man has seen God at any time. When are we going to see God? Jesus. Jesus. Then look at what it says. The singers went before. The players on instruments followed after. Among them were the damsels playing the with timbrels. Bless ye God in the congregations, even the Lord from the fountain of Israel. 
There is little Benjamin with the ruler, the princes of Judah and their council, the princes of Zebulun and the princes of Naphtali. Thy God hath commanded thy strength. Strengthen, O God, that which thou hast wrought for us. Because of thy temple at Jerusalem shall kings bring presents unto thee. We know from Isaiah 60 that they bring golden frankincense. No myrrh. No myrrh. He only died once. Amen? Now, well, anyway, let's go. Rebuke the company of spearmen, the multitude of the bulls with the calves of the people, till everyone submit himself with pieces of silver. Scatter thou the people that delight in war. Princes shall come out of Egypt. Ethiopia shall soon stretch out her hands unto God. Sing unto God, ye kingdoms of the earth. Oh, sing praises unto the Lord. When's that going to happen? Selah. To him that rideth upon the heavens of heavens, which were of old, lo, he doth send out his voice, and that a mighty voice. Ascribe ye strength unto God. His excellency is over Israel, and his strength is in the clouds. O God, thou art terrible out of thy holy places. The God of Israel is he that giveth strength and power unto his people. Blessed be God. Do you know what we need to be thankful for? We need to be thankful for what He's done and we need to be thankful for what He's going to do and that He's told us. And we can understand it. When we look out at what's going on in the world, what's being spoken of right here? Egypt. Is that in the news? How about Ethiopia? What's going on in Ethiopia? They're destroying the Christians. Islam's taking over. They're, getting, they're, they're already uniting with Iran and with Libya. That's already happening. We understand those things are happening. Praise God! He told us! We have seen this. We don't need to be surprised. So I want you to think about something. That great mind of Charles Spurgeon, he couldn't understand this. Why? Because he didn't see the difference between Israel and the church. He didn't see the difference between the kingdom that Jesus Christ has offered in our hearts and the kingdom that He's going to come and establish on this earth. He didn't understand that. Do you know what we need to do? We need to enter His gates with thanksgiving and say, Lord, thank You for giving us understanding of Your Word. Thank You that I'm wiser than all my teachers. That's what the Bible says, right? Thank you, Lord, that your word is greater than the great men. Your word, it surpasses everything. Thank you, Lord, for eternal life. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for an understanding of the Scriptures. Thank you for the preserved Word of God. Thank you for our homes. Thank you for our churches. Thank you for your plan. Thank you for showing us all. Amen. And just on a personal note, I want to say this. I'm thankful to you. I'm thankful to Grace Baptist Church. Someone pointed out to me, young people, I challenge you about your behavior at school and you know, what's going on in your lives. And someone challenged me, I ought to praise you for doing right in the schools, doing right in your, on your ball teams. And I need to do that. You guys are great kids. Serving the Lord, taking a stand for Him, making sacrifices for Him, wanting to remain modest and pure and doing right. I'm thankful for you guys. I'm thankful for you guys. You're a blessing to me. Uh, I told Ed Bermond before the service, you know, I, I, tra I travel. The Lord has taken Grace Baptist ministry and taken it around the world. Um, you know, a couple of weeks, I think week after next or something, I'm out in Washington State again. Not on a Sunday, but, uh, you know, I'm so thankful that while I'm gone, if a decision needs to be made, Pastor Nathan is here. Didn't he do a great job preaching last week? 
I'm thankful that Pastor Nathan is here. These other men that God has brought in to preach for us. Brother Ferrier and Aaron Hewling and Patrick Kennedy and these others that preach God's Word. They communicate God's Word to us. Praise the Lord for that. But I told Ed Bermond, I'm thankful that he's here. He knows exactly what's going on with the finances, with the business of this church. He's here to care for it. I'm so thankful for that. These other men in the church that are just standing ready to serve God. These ladies in the church that are ready at the drop of a hat to provide food for families that need it. Man, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for Grace Baptist Church, for what He's doing in His Word. So, we need to come. How do we come with, with thanksgiving? Why do we come? Because of what He's done. But practically, why should we come? Because He's the God of salvation. Psalm 68. He's the one who causes us to benefit, and He chose unworthy and ungrateful subjects to bestow His benefits upon. Can I show you the way that we're supposed to do it? We'll finish with this. Look at Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. And look at verse 13. Hebrews 13, 13. Let us go forth, therefore, unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. Now, there's a couple of things about that without the camp. Jesus Christ was crucified outside the city walls. All right? So as Maureen's saying, let's go to the cross. Let's remember what he did for us. Amen? Let's do that. Let's bear his reproach with him. Look at verse 14. Why? For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Look, we're not going to go... We're not going on a crusade to restore the Holy Land. Why? Because we as Christians, we have no continuing city here. We're waiting for one from heaven that Jesus Christ is going to bring down. Amen? So let's remember what our goal is in eternal perspective. Then look at verse 15. By Him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise... To God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. Look at the next verse. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Now, what's he talking about, these sacrifices? Remember what Hebrews is about. The blood of bulls and goats wasn't going to satisfy God. What satisfied God? The blood of Jesus Christ. So now we don't bring bulls and goats and sacrifice them. What do we do? We bring Jesus Christ praise. Our lips express praise. So let me ask you a question. When's the last time your lips expressed praise to Jesus Christ? When have you spoken out about your thankfulness to Him? You young people, are you thankful to the Lord for the life He's given you? Do you thank your parents for the life they give you? I wish that you could experience the life that are, are the, the gray-haired folks that we have here, the life their grandparents had when Christmas was an orange in the foot of a sock. And they were excited to get that. They were thrilled to get that orange or a piece of penny candy. That was Christmas. That was it. The rest of it was just seeing your family and going to church and remembering Jesus Christ's birth. You need to be thankful for the life that you have. Remember to be thankful. Dear Heavenly Father,